Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Today, we got a cool episode for you guys. It's going to be on finance. We're going to talk about the initial jobless claims beating the expectations. This has been blowing up my feeds. It's been all over the Wall Street Journal, all over Reddit. I've read a lot on this today. <laughs> Reddit and then read. There we go. But I've read a lot on this today, and I'm excited to chat with you guys about it. This is a really big bright spot for the economy and for the recovery. It's really exciting to see numbers improving faster than economists thought they would. And although the numbers are still catastrophic, you know, we're excited that initial jobless claims fell below 1 million in a week. So these numbers are still huge, but they're better than expectations. And that's important that the economy seems to be improving and recovering faster than we had feared. So without further ado, let's jump into it and talk about the report. So U.S. unemployment claims fell below 1 million last week for the first time since the coronavirus pandemic struck in March. The deeply wounded labor market continues to regain some footing. So that's some good news, you know, that we're below a million for the first time in a week. That's just nuts, though, isn't it? A million people claiming jobless benefits per week. One million per week. It's hard to comprehend. I've pulled a lot of data on this. I've been looking through uh, the FRED uh, which is the Federal Reserve's economic data database. And they have just great graphs for looking at all this. I'm going to walk you guys through some of it later. But it's really stunning to see the unprecedented levels <laughs> in these charts. It's like the chart will be going along with like unemployment rate or, uh, you know, jobless claims and things like this. And then all of a sudden just spike. You know what I mean? Like in March, it just exploded with the coronavirus pandemic. So these are unprecedented numbers in absolutes. We also had unprecedented stimulus, and that's really factoring into this that uh, uh, the federal government, along with the state governments, gassed up unemployment benefits, which really made it an enticing thing for people to grab hold of if they were unemployed. For lower paid workers and lower wage earners, it actually, in some cases, would pay them more than they were making working, or at least as much as they were making working, providing a huge disincentive to go back to work, as some economists argued. Uh, so we're going to unpack that a little bit as well. But these are unprecedented numbers driven by unprecedented forces. The coronavirus forcing us to do unprecedented stimulus and to make these benefits bigger than they've ever been before. I'm going to get into those specifics in a little bit. Uh, so these numbers are really improving. You know, both both figures uh, are beating the the estimates, but they remain there uh, uh, well above like the worst figures we've seen historically. So uh, before the pandemic struck, the number of people receiving benefits were more than double the 6.6 million reached in 2009. This is since the pandemic struck. So this pandemic caused uh, uh, jobless claims to be double what we saw in 2009. Don't forget, 2009 was a huge recession. So for us to be twice that is just nuts. And it's hard to comprehend how we climb out of this hole. So far, the stimulus has seemed to really been outweighing that negative. They've done a good job of keeping the markets gassed, of keeping them optimistic. I've certainly stayed in it during all this. But uh, man, what a crazy roller coaster. And these numbers, you're almost numb to them. The numbers are so big, it's hard to comprehend. Uh, let's jump into it a little bit. These unemployment benefits were big this time. You know, they were really gassed up. Like I mentioned, it's $600 per week from the Fed alone. So if you could get that $600 per week in unemployment benefits, that equates to $31,200 a year. And that's only from the federal government. Whatever your states did was the cherry on top of that. So like in, 
in California, the people are getting over a thousand dollars a week who qualified for these unemployment benefits in the, in the max amount. That is just crazy. I mean, big numbers and lots of people argued a big disincentive to go back to work. You know, that if you were making $40,000 a year doing some entry level job or, um, you know, fresh out of college and earning that much, or if you were working in fast food or something like this, if you work in a restaurant, you know, why would you want to go back to work when you can get more to be at home. And that was a big concern for the recovery. Would people search for jobs when there's this big of a, an offer on the, on the table from the government, you know, that you could get on un, unemployment insurance and, and do better. So it's a fascinating thing. They think that this drop may have to do with that benefit expiring. So the $600 went away, I think it was two weeks ago or so. Uh, now because they, the Congress couldn't agree on how to fix that $600, it just went down to zero. So now it's just what the states would normally pay in unemployment insurance. So it's back down to say, you know, in Arizona, $200 a week or whatever the number is. So it's just a huge drop for people putting a lot less money in consumers' pockets and giving a lot of uncertainty to the markets. Now, Trump stepped in and said, okay, we're going to do $300 a week from the Fed. And then I want the states to match that with $100 extra than they would normally do. So that's going to help kind of I guess, mitigate that impact, but that's supposedly not going to get implemented for another two to three weeks since he did it by executive order. And they're kind of behind the eight ball, you know, the, the unemployment benefits, uh, and you know, whatever the state government agencies that administers those needs to reprogram their machines and needs to kind of figure out a process. This was going to take several weeks for those unemployment benefits to start to hit. As a side note, there's been nightmare stories from certain people who qualify for these benefits, but didn't get them for a long time for one reason or another. I mean, some people talking about getting checks two, three months behind when they first filed for them, even though they qualified and did eventually get them. But just administering all these programs is a crazy bureaucracy. There's all sorts of people who need to approve it, all sorts of programming that needs to be done for these new levels. And every time they jerk it around, it throws a lot of uncertainty into how quickly they can process those payments, how quickly they can make the change. So there's a lot of volatility in this. Although this is a bright spot, I think there's a lot of negatives not being accounted for it. And we kind of saw that in the stock market today. Even though this number beat expectations, the stock market kind of wavered and ended up a little bit down on like the S&P 500, for example. And I think that's because they know that there's a lot of uncertainty around this. They know there's a lot of uncertainty about those people continuing to get benefits. And so maybe not getting as big of benefits is getting more people to go out and get a job, which is kind of a positive, but it's also going to mean in the short term, they're not going to have as much money to spend. That's a scary thing. It can have a big snowball effect. If you have a weak consumer, if you have too many people who don't have jobs and things like this, then over time it starts to snowball into all the economy. I mean, even if you're doing good work as a business, if your consumers don't have money to spend, it's going to sink the whole ship, you know, that, uh, or I should say that, you know, all ships are going to sink with a, with a lowering tide that way. Well, if the tide's lowering, if consumers don't have as much money to spend, then all of us are going to suffer in business. So it's a bad thing to have a weak consumer and to have this many unemployed people, because logically they're going to be way more skittish about spending money. And practically speaking, they're going to have less money to spend, even if they want it to. So this is kind of a scary thing for the, for the economy writ large, that those unemployment benefits went from being so big and helping the economy get gassed up to being way smaller. And that's, that's really scary. One fact of this is that the people who were getting those unemployment benefits were churning the money at a higher rate than some other people would, uh, which is a good thing for the economy. The best thing that can happen in the economy is for consumers to get out there and spend. You know, when you spend, when you go and buy an RV, so many people get jobs because of that. The salesman gets employed, uh, the people who build the RV, the people who service the RVs, all the places that you're going to go in the RV and spend money, you know, all the gas stations, XYZ, a lot of good things reverberate from you spending that money versus like saving it or squatting on it. 
So you do want lots of money to go to people who are going to spend it, which was being accomplished by the $600 a week. You know, there was a lot of that money was getting pumped back into the economy to good effect. And we're seeing a lot of jobs protected. We're seeing the economy kind of gassed because of it. But now it's scary that that's going away at least for a couple of weeks. And then it's going to be half of the old level when it returns federally funded $300 instead of 600. And it remains to be seen if the state's going to step up and do that 100, which would make it two thirds. It's a fascinating time. I got to tell you guys, I'm a little bit nervous about this. I'm a little bit nervous about such a high jobless claims report, even though it beat expectations. These are just huge numbers. And a lot of these people aren't going to be getting as big of benefits as they used to get. That's scary. Who are still on these rolls. But let's continue. Uh, The key question is, will it tick back up when this new supplement comes back? So like right now we see people going out and taking jobs, which is probably why there's less new initial jobless claims this week, why it dropped below a million for the first time. So once Trump's new aid of $300 comes back, will some of those people stop looking for work again? Will that disincentive to work be realized that everyone's fearful of? And will people stop coming back? Will this unemployment rate tick back up? That's a fascinating question. And it's going to really solve the issue of, did this unemployment benefit disincentivize people to work to a detriment? Was it too much money you know, are there too many restaurants that can't get their waiters or their line chefs to come back because they're making more money on unemployment than they might when they're actually working? It's a fascinating question. I don't know where I fall on this. It's been a good thing for the economy so far. Like I said, I think it's good that they're pulling it back over time as the economy improves and it's giving people the incentive to go out and do their job search to find another job and start working again. But boy, I'm scared about it going away for those two to three weeks. I think this bureaucratic you know, limbo that they're in where basically Trump has said, no, I want it to be $300, but it can't be executed for a couple of weeks could have really big resounding effects on the market. And all it takes right now, we're so fragile. All it takes is one little push and we could really be in a bad place in our economy. So I'm really scared of that. It's something that I'm watching closely, especially with my stock investments, you know, cause I think that really could affect the market and we could see a big pullback if we see all those consumers not spending as much money cause they don't have, you know, that old $600 a week unemployment benefit. Fascinating times, man. We're going to look back on this and just say, what a crazy time to be in the market. So what a crazy time to be in the economy. What a crazy time, you know, just as consumers even. I mean, this is just unprecedented. No one really knows what's going to happen next. It's what a ride we're on. So why do we care? The initial jobless claims report gets a lot of press due to simplicity and the theory that the healthier the job market, the healthier the economy. Like I mentioned before, when more people are working, that means they have more disposable income. So, you know, that leads to higher personal consumption. They go out and buy more things. They buy that RV, they buy that jet ski, they spend more money in a restaurant, whatever. Right. And that gas is the economy because everyone, you know, that money's changing hands. More people are employed, providing those services, providing those products, and the whole thing benefits from it. So that's why we care about the initial jobless claims report is that the best thing for the economy is having a low unemployment rate, having not many people claiming, you know, jobless benefits and things like this. Um, continued claims is something that I think is a more important indicator, although it's lagging. So continued claims shows how many people who are on unemployment benefits have continued to receive them that week. And as you might expect, that number is way bigger. Uh, again, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I love Investopedia. If you're, if you're ever looking for financial terms or to understand what something is, uh, it's a great place to go and, and look for definitions. So I pulled up continued claims for you guys to define it. 
on Investopedia. Continuing claims is the number of people filing for, un- filing for unemployment benefits who have already filed an initial claim. In order to be included in continuing claims, the person must have been covered by unemployment insurance and be currently receiving benefits. He or she must have been employed for at least a week after filing the initial claim. So uh, that's where you get the lag compared to initial jobless claims. But this is kind of the better statistic to be watching, in my opinion, because it shows not just how many people have filed for unemployment insurance, but how many people are continuing to get that unemployment insurance, right? So obviously it's a much bigger number as you might expect. And like I said, I pulled up Fred to look at this. So let me go along with it and read you guys some of these numbers. So it, it, so to give you an idea, uh, continued claims before the pandemic. So let's go back to like, let's say February 15th here or so continuing claims. The United States was 1.7 million, call it one, six, nine, three million. Um, so that's kind of normal. It's a pretty flat line graph. You kind of see it wave around 1.7 million going back into the end of 2019, which was a pretty strong job market. But nonetheless, at its peak during the coronavirus pandemic on May 9th, 2020, we hit 24,912,000. Just let that soak in for a second. You went from 1.7 million to 24.9 million. That is such a big jump. It's ridiculous. And now we're celebrating that the initial jobless claims has ticked below 1 million, but the continued claims, the most recent number that's out was Saturday, August 1st of 2020, 15,486,000 compared to, again, a norm of 1.7 million pre-pandemic. That is so frightening. It is just so scary to see that number so much bigger than what's typical. I mean, exponentially larger. So even though this is improving, we're still at unprecedented highs and it's really, really scary. I mean, I'm definitely rattled by this because a weak consumer means there's not a lot of money being spent in the economy and that can really snowball in the wrong direction. It's going to be really hard to make money anywhere if no one's spending money. So this is something to really watch and something to be really scared about. Um, Initial claims have a bigger impact on financial markets than continued claims because they're real time, you know, they're week to week, whereas the continued claims has a lag. So you're going to see the markets change around these initial claims, but the continued claims, again, that's kind of what I would watch. I think that it's going to be the thing that's going to show the health of this. And I really want to see that 15 million continue to drop starkly. It'd be really nice if one positive side benefit of this, these unemployment benefits being reduced from 600 to $300 a week would be if it encouraged more people to go back to work. And especially as more places can open as the coronavirus pandemic kind of uh, slows down or, you know, we're able to figure out a safely return with social distancing and mask and blah, blah, blah. Maybe even the vaccine and hopefully coming sooner rather than later. Hopefully we see, you know, restaurants go back and start employing people and X, Y, Z. And the whole talk has been around the idea of a V-shaped recovery, that this isn't going to be a prolonged thing that's going to be, oh my gosh, we can't employ anyone. We have to shut down. All, and then the, the government temporarily provides stimulus to help us through that period. And then all of a sudden it snaps back up, you know, everything just returns to normal. So we're really watching this number closely to make sure that these people go back to work and life returns to normal. Anecdotally, I'm really scared about this. You know, I know a lot of people who run businesses and things and they've done layoffs without plans to bring people back and furloughs without plans to bring people back, especially now that the PPP loans are all met and forgiven and, and kind of that window is closing. You're seeing a lot of people start to do uh, uh, layoffs and things who had delayed it to, to get that benefit and to have that loan forgiven. So I would not underestimate that aspect. And again, the chance for that to snowball is a really scary thing for our future and something to monitor closely. The question here is not 
you know, is the job picture scary? Because it is, you know, I just outlined, I mean, we have 15 plus million people doing continued claims on unemployment insurance. That is insane. So the question is not, is this scary? Are these bad numbers? They absolutely are. The question is, will the stimulus outweigh it? Did we do enough in the stimulus to comfort this? And will people accept the fact that we went into so much debt? Will people continue to believe in the economic system to a degree that this thing can keep churning along with all that money injected in? So far, yes. So far, the stimulus has been brilliant. It's been enough you know, that things are still afloat. The financial markets are still afloat. Uh, it does seem that the unemployment picture is improving, albeit slowly and albeit from unprecedented highs and huge absolute numbers. It does seem that the stimulus has worked so far. What I'm scared of is that we're heading into an election at the end of this year. There's a lot of infighting. Further stimulus packages have been held up and Congress fighting. And now we're seeing Trump have to do executive orders, which can only go so far in providing benefits. And I'm scared. You know, I think that if this weren't an election year, I'd be more bullish on it. But they need to continue to do more stimulus, in my opinion, to, to continue to outweigh these negative economic impacts. Not the least of which is a lot of people who are scared consumers, unwilling to leave their home, unwilling to spend money. They have to keep this money flowing. And I'm not seeing perfect evidence that they're going to do that. I'm really hoping they come together and, and act in a bipartisan way, even though we're inching up on a really contentious election that's very emotionally charged. But I'm not terribly bullish on that. I'm very scared of that. Um, boy, what a crazy time. Just crazy data, <sighs> crazy claims. I mean, it is just nuts to see this many people unemployed. And it's just it does seem unsustainable. Well, let's dig in a little deeper to the unemployment numbers by sector. I thought this was really interesting. I pulled up a graph of unemployment rate in the United States by industry and class of worker, worker in July 2020. So topping the list, leisure and well, let's start with the, the level set. The total is 10.5% unemployment in July of 2020. So that's the, what is normal. 10.5% was the total across the entire United States, across all industries. The worst industry was leisure and hospitality, 25% unemployment. That is nuts. The best was self-employed workers, unincorporated and unpaid family workers, 7.8% unemployment. Right behind that was education and health services. As you'd imagine, we kept all of our teacher salaries intact through government payrolls. And then of course, healthcare workers have done okay, although I have heard of layoffs in certain doctors' practices and hospitals working in the healthcare industry myself. But they did much better than other classes of workers, 7.8% for self-employed workers, 8% for education and health services. The worst has been leisure and hospitality, 25%. That is nuts. So high. And that's because restaurants are basically shut down. You know, restaurants are open here in Arizona for even inside dining, but they're at 50% capacity, if that. It doesn't seem very busy when they're there, uh, depending on the restaurant. And there's lots of people who are on those unemployment benefits and unwilling to come back. I was picking the brains of the managers of some of my favorite restaurants to eat in at lunch and things like this. And they're saying they're having a really hard time getting their um, waiters and waitresses back, a really hard time getting their chefs back because some of these people are making more money on unemployment benefits than they were in their job. It's a pretty crazy time for them. So 25% unemployment in leisure and hospitality, right below that's mining, quarrying and oil and gas extraction. That's fascinating too. We saw the price of gas plummet and in fact, there was a moment where barrels of oil were like negative $40, where people were basically paying to store them because there was such a gas glut in the world. So apparently the layoffs have just been huge in that industry. These things can really reverberate. We're a huge leisure and hospitality you know, service industry here in uh, America. That's a big segment of our population. And one thing that scares me is that I think those people are more likely to spend their money, uh, which positively impacts the economy, than say like... Um, 
a self-employed worker or a government worker, someone like this, who's likely to save a little more and not turn it back in the economy. Uh, again, it has all sorts of positive effects when someone earns a dollar, spends a dollar, right? That's the most efficient thing that can happen from an economical standpoint. Not necessarily the best personal finance decision. I'll cover that in a future podcast about how to handle your personal finances and how to save and your savings rate X, Y, Z. But nonetheless, you know, a leisure and hospitality worker is much more likely to spend a dollar they earn than some of these people who are like government workers or, uh, you know, even like healthcare providers and things are more likely to have a 401k and to save X, Y, Z. So them being unemployed has a big impact on the economy as well. You know, they, they're who's been getting these big unemployment benefits and therefore spending them, which has been good for the economy. But now that those unemployment benefits are getting restricted, it's kind of a scary state. Um, so this is kind of fascinating. That's this, the sectors that have been hit the hardest by this and who have the highest unemployment rates and what I think the impact of that is. Um, one fascinating thing to highlight here is that the continued claims uh, are almost always lower than the unemployment rate. And what I mean by that is that the unemployment rate, like at the last recession, for example, was around 10%, whereas uh, continued claims is only 4%. Well, right now, continued claims is all the way up at 13.3% at its peak. That is just crazy. I'm gonna tighten up this graph a little bit to read you guys some data. So the worst we saw for the unemployment rate was 14.7% in April of 2020. And then the worst we've seen for continued claims was 13.92% a month later in May, 2020. That is just nuts. What a huge portion of the workforce getting unemployment claims. Um, this is a scary thing. You know, the, the question is how do you navigate this? How do you quantify it? Is it a good idea to stay in stocks, be, you know, given this crazy data out there? And again, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I can't give investment advice, but I'll tell you, this is something I'm watching very, very closely. I'm watching to make sure that that continued claims number continues to drop down more so than I'm watching initial claims. Although that's a bright spot. I do want to see the continued claims uh, come down as the stimulus and the PP loans, PPP loans effect wear off. I want to make sure that that's not negatively affecting the economy. So I'm watching consumer spending very closely in the coming weeks to make sure that people are still spending money when that uh, benefit goes away. Because what you're hoping is people return to work once that unemployment benefit dries up within the next week or two and continue to spend money. But I'm a little skeptical. I think we're going to see a blip there. And I think we're going to see the markets hiccup when that blip is realized, when we see consumer spending come down. And when we see that some of these people who were getting $600 a week are now in the best case scenario, getting $300 per week, two or three weeks out. So there's going to be this gap where people are really hurting economically. And I'm scared about what that means for the economy. I think you're going to see a short-term dip in the markets here. And then if there's more stimulus, you're going to see a big rally in the markets because so far they have way overshot stimulus, which has been good. You know, it's better than undershooting and having a huge recession or maybe even depression. But, you know, I, I'm hoping to see more stimulus in response to this to keep the market cast up and to keep it going. I don't mean for this to be all gloom and doom. It is good news that initial jobless claims have dropped. You know, that is a bit of optimism. It beat the expectations, which is always a good thing for the markets, always a good thing for the health of the economy and always good for, you know, that, that, uh, virtuous cycle, you know, that one good thing begets another. So if someone gets a job, you know, quicker than they were expecting, they're more likely to spend money and to feel optimistic and that's going to reverberate throughout the economy. So there are some real bright spots in this, but again, I'm worried for the reasons that I outlined. So that's the podcast for today. I'm going to follow up on this in the coming weeks and do kind of an update. We'll see if the the kind of drop in the market that I predicted occurs in the next two to three weeks, and we'll see if they are able to do more stimulus and what those effects are. So I'll do a follow-up to this episode and kind of tell you guys what happened uh, in response to my predictions today. 
it's a crazy time. You know, I, I'm not confident in those predictions I just made. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence about much when it comes to predictions in these crazy environments of scared consumers and crazy stimulus and record unemployment. I mean, it's just crazy times to quantify ne- huge negatives versus huge positives in the economy. And how do you make sense of that? So far, I continue to be bullish. But like I said, I do want to see some more gas on the fire. I want to see some more stimulus. And I really would love to see some bipartisan agreement on those things. <laughs> Although I am not holding my breath. <laughs> in an election year, especially one like this year, things could get ugly. But I'll do a follow-up to this podcast and let you guys know. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast today. I really appreciate all the support. I know there's lots of ways to entertain yourself, not the least, which are a bunch of great podcasts. Uh, so thank you for listening to Little Old Me. As always, you can send feedback or listener questions to the Blackwood Show at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. But thanks for listening. I'll talk at you guys soon.